Hello and welcome to the CSIS Strategic Technologies Podcast. Today we'll be taking a deeper look at quantum computing, what this technology is and what it allows us to do. We'll get more into the specifics in the interview, but in short, quantum computing harnesses quantum effects, like superposition and entanglement, to perform computations that regular computers cannot do. This greatly expands the type of computations available and can be harnessed in many different applications. One company that is exploring these applications of quantum computing is QBranch, a computer software company that provides data analytics and quantum computing software to a range of industries. I'm joined today by Michael Brett, CEO and co-founder of QBranch. Michael started QBranch in 2014 and has extensive expertise in complex systems and quantum computing. Michael, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Katrina. Thanks for having me. Great. So to start off, in general, what does quantum allow you to do? And how do you explain quantum to a generalist or audience? So quantum computing is a fundamentally new approach to solving problems computationally. It's a, a different way of storing information in the computer and allowing that information to interact. And one of the benefits that we get from that is a much more efficient approach to solving very complex problems, some of the hardest problems that are out there in industry. Uh, so it gives us a new tool in the toolkit in solving some of the hardest problems that we face. What are um, examples of some of those hard problems? Sure. So the sort of problems that uh, quantum computer can solve are described as called an NP-hard problem. That means uh, they become exponentially more difficult as new variables are added to the problem. So as a quick example, uh, the classic one is called the traveling salesman problem. So if you and I had to deliver 100 packages around town this afternoon and we had a, a truck to do it in, uh, we would want to find the optimal route to deliver all of those packages. Now that is an extremely computationally intensive problem to solve. Uh, we need to work through every single possible solution to find the, the best one uh, out of that. And if we added three more packages to the truck at the last minute, we would need to go and solve them all over again, like start from the very beginning and work through every possible solution there. What quantum computing allows is to solve that kind of problem much more efficiently and to be able to uh, react to changing situations uh, with a lot more agility and, and uh, a rapid response time to changing conditions. So in then solving this type of problem more efficiently, um, how what are the applications and um, for industry? So what does that allow industry to do if they can solve those problems other than delivering packages in, in downtown DC? Uh, yeah, there's a wide variety of applications and that is something that we're only just beginning to discover as a community in the quantum computing world. Uh, you know, quantum computing research has been going on for 30 years or so. So there's a lot of theoretical work that's been done in quantum computing, uh, but we haven't yet done the industrial research to apply that theory to practice and show where there's a, uh, a, a strong advantage to those sort of problems. Uh, so a couple of quick examples of where it uh, the strongest interest lies are in the, the financial sector, uh, which is primarily where we work as a company. Uh, but there's also applications in insurance, in logistics, uh, in energy and, and water usage. And I think it can be generally described as quantum computing has its strongest applications in industries that already spend a lot of money on computational power. So industries that are spending lots of uh, their own resource in crunching large uh, computationally difficult problems overnight on big computer farms. Uh, quantum computing provides a new tool in that toolkit to solve some of those problems a lot quicker. 
And then I guess getting specific to, you mentioned that your company works a lot in the financial industry. Um, what kind of return or how are how are they employing these technologies and what kind of returns are they seeing or, or what are they able to do better um, I guess in their day-to-day -day with quantum technologies yeah so it's really early days still for quantum computing in these industries and the platforms that we have to work with today are, are essentially the the early prototypes of the industrial strength computers that we need to to generate these kind of returns so our clients are ones that are interested in disruptive technologies and the uh, the impact that quantum computing will have on their business over the next, say, five to 10 years. And so they're working with us on that horizon scanning to understand where quantum computing will have its biggest impact, who their likely providers and suppliers are for that kind of work, the type of uh, knowledge and tools and capabilities they need internally to their institutions to understand where to apply quantum computing. Uh, and then to start to uh, understand the, the impact of those applications within their core business. So do they invest more money in classical computers and so solve problems the old way, which is to throw more computational power at it, or do they invest in quantum computing technology to solve it using a different tool in the toolkit? So at what point, because um, quantum computing, is, as you mentioned, has had a, a it's been a academic fields and there's been academic studies on this for 30 years and now we're seeing really interesting new computers and um, companies like D-Wave and IBM building physical quantum computers. So are we at this point where these computers can offer significant computational advantages over regular ones? Um, and how do you see this field evolving? This is an incredibly exciting time for this field because we're at that stage in a technology where uh, the work that has been going on in research institutions and universities where it's the primary output has been uh, in, uh, improving the art and, and the science of, of uh, uh, quantum computing, uh, where we're now seeing that transition from the research labs and the universities and into industrial R&D, where the primary output is products and services and benefits to, to industry. So you're seeing the likes of, uh, at the large corporate scale, IBM, Google, Intel, Nokia, making big investments into quantum computing over the last couple of years. Uh, but then also a startup community that's starting to form around the, the niche products and the niche ideas. So QBranch is one, D-Wave uh, is another. Uh, and uh, there, there are a few other uh, companies that are starting to form now to start to understand the application of quantum computing to these large-scale industries. And I think it's incredibly exciting because it's not often that we get to be a part of that transition point, to go from something that's been in a research lab to then into industrial R&D to create the first products and prototypes that uh, people can begin to use. And uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, IBM released their first uh, quantum computer onto the cloud. It's a, it's a small quantum computer. It's only a small number of qubits that are available to use. But I think that's an incredibly significant event because we're seeing a, a large industrial firm producing an end-to-end -end engineering solution that can be opened up to the internet and all of the, um, uh, the folks that can use it aren't going to break it. There's that resilience there and robustness to using a, a device like this. So we're going from uh, uh, quantum computers that were in the lab and were very delicate and required uh, PhDs to precisely tune them up to something that we can put on the internet and for people to be able to use. And we're in that transition point right now to, um, to be able to use those things. 
Yeah, I saw I saw that update. Um, and what's great about that is you can like anyone can just sign up to use this uh, IBM quantum computer. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, so have what other you know, we're, we're now able to take th- these technologies are being available to a wider segment of the public and people that aren't um, quantum physicists. Um, what barriers to entry or what barriers exist for a wider adoption of, of this technology? You know, it's on the Internet, but it hasn't seen we're not seeing the a ubiquity of this technology yet. Yeah, so the the biggest barrier to entry is that we are still in the early days of quantum computing where the the hardware that that is available today has uh, applications that are very niche and very small. So we need to allow those hardware developers the time to uh, expand their products and to uh, improve the the robustness and resilience of of what they're building and the the scale and speed of what they're able to to, um, provide to the marketplace. Um, so that that's a matter of time and a matter of engineering and feedback from the community to the hardware developers so that they can improve their uh, their products. On the software side where, where QBranch exists and the type of work that we do, the biggest challenge for us is thinking about problems in an entirely different way to map to the, the quantum computers. So rather than a sequential approach to solving problems that you would use on a classical computer, thinking about them in the type of format that maps directly to a quantum computer. And that's a challenge for software engineering graduates that are coming out of school and they've, they've been trained in a certain way to think about problems. And so part of what QBranch does is uh, teach our customers and, and teach our partners about the different approach that's required for quantum computing. And that opens up uh, a new realm of creativity and critical thinking about well, where can they take their most challenging problems and apply them to this new type of technology that's coming? That's pretty interesting. Um, I'm wondering if you can give an example to kind of help me conceptualize <laughs> this as, as someone who is not um, a software engineer. Um, how do you go about creating a whole different approach to solve problems? And is there something that you can cite as like a, a problem that you solved using quantum um, yeah, so uh, a specific example of some work that we did recently uh, was in the, the field of aerodynamics. Now, this was uh, looking at solving the problem of what is the optimal approach to calculating a uh, aerodynamical solution. So, you know, when uh, uh, aerospace engineers are designing new aircraft, they simulate and model uh, the performance of uh, the, the new aircraft in um, in software, and that is a very computationally intensive problem. There's a lot of calculations that need to go on uh, to to solve those problems that are at a really high fidelity. What quantum computing can do is help to optimize the performance of that solution. So, what in what order do you solve things? Do you solve the the front of the plane first, or the back of the plane first, and the the left wing or the right wing uh, at a very broad scale? And so some of the work that we did was in understanding how to uh, apply quantum computing to the initial stages of new aerodynamics calculations to get a better result out of uh, the modeling and simulation of a new aircraft. Cool. So really a holistic (laughs) approach to aerodynamic um, modeling and simulation. Yeah, that's right. It's It's a new tool in the toolkit to optimize the performance of how we solve these kind of industrial strength problems. And what do you see are some um, common misconceptions or um, things that people get wrong about quantum computing most often? 
Uh, I think there's uh, you know, quantum computing is very exciting, and and people uh, want it to to happen, and they want it to happen quickly. Uh, and I think what people need to appreciate is that there's a there's a long time frame still yet to go in the development of the hardware and for it to uh, come into operational use. And a lot of what's required is for people to start thinking about the uh, the sorts of problems that they can solve and the techniques that they can use on their in uh, on an industrial scale and feed that information back to the hardware developers. The hardware developers are somewhat operating in a vacuum. They know theoretically what to build and they know the engineering that's required to put this together, but they need the feedback from industry about how these products are going to be applied to their particular use case. So we need to build that feedback loop and uh, that will speed up the adoption of quantum computing uh, and the performance of the products that do get released. And what is the 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 time frame that you if you had to if you had to guess what is the time frame that you think um, this feedback loop will take to get kind of developed? Well, the the time is now for quantum computing. Uh, there are there are certainly quantum computers that are on the market today and and products that are being developed uh, in, uh, in industrial research and development facilities uh, globally. And I think over the next uh, couple of years, we're going to see more and more of these devices start to be released onto the internet in, in much the same way that IBM did. Uh, and that creates the seed for that feedback loop to start to, to form uh, and allow the hardware developers then the, the understanding of how their products will be uh, used uh, to um, uh, start to get the, the, the broader offerings out into the marketplace. So thanks, Michael, for being with us uh, here today. And we look forward to, to seeing how this feedback loop and quantum computing continues to, to develop in the future. It's been great to be here. Thanks very much.